Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Today I want to talk about a story of freedom, and we're going to John chapter 8. Verse chapter 8, verse 31. If you're there, say amen. Let's begin reading at 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. He makes a requirement for a disciple that you continue in his word. These were people that believed Jesus, but he said, If you don't continue my word, you cannot be a disciple. It's a very true thing. And then verse 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Someone say amen. And we know the truth is Jesus Christ. Amen. Then answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How saith thou, ye shall be made free? See, their only frame of reference was slave or free. That's their only frame of reference. And so Jesus goes on to explain through a parable, and he's, Jesus answered, very, 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 I say unto the, I'll get to the parable later. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the, house, in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. The son, therefore, if the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And if we just jump over quickly to Matthew chapter 18. I'll just grab the beginning of a parable here. Therefore the kingdom of heaven in verse 23 in Matthew 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun reckoning, one was bought, brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But so for so much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. This was common practice in those days. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Notice he worshipped to get forgiveness. Interesting. Then the Lord said to the servant, then the Lord of that servant was moved, everyone say moved, with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. I want to talk to you about freedom this morning. Jesus, we ask you just to touch our hearts, be with us here as we endeavor to seek your word for a, a strong touch and a strong anointing. Lord God, would you just sow something into our hearts today that really encourages us, I pray in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We understand that faith is necessary to please God. But we know that salvation is not predicated on faith alone. Because we realize that people can have faith before a salvation experience. Isn't that not true? You can believe in something and it not change you. You can believe in something before you understand the salvation message of the gospel. You can believe in something even before you have heard the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And you can even have, from the initial point of ever hearing the word of God, begin to have faith in the word of God, but not have experienced biblical salvation. Amen? So we have to understand that repentance is a very important structure of the salvation process. And whenever someone begins to seek God, how much more would God answer in mercy than this man who is the ruler here that's seeking out in the parable that I just read to you, Matthew, that's seeking out mercy from an owner or a boss or a person who he owes a debt to. His worship in the ser- when the servant began to fall down and worship in verse 26 moved the heart of a human man. How much more does our worship when we fall down before the Lord move the heart and the compassion of Almighty God? How much more is he moved and, and does he feel uh, compassion toward us in the areas of our life? And so we know that when we have faith And when we worship God, even if we don't know very much about God, it moves God with mercy and compassion. And when that mercy and compassion touches a human soul, there is a freedom that takes place, amen? There is a weight that is lifted in our lives. And so sometimes when we find a place of repentance and we find a place where God forgives us, there is a great weight that can be lifted off our life. And some can say that that is their salvation, but we understand that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the impetus and the application that must take place in our life. Otherwise, we are not seeing the full salvation come to our life. Someone said amen. So, in the examples that I've read to you, we see that going back to John in the 8th chapter, we see in, in verse 34 that Jesus answered and said unto them, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant to sin. What Jesus is trying to set up here is the fact that you can be born a noble and be a slave to sin. You can be born and never have known what it's like to live in a camp where you have to work and you have to live as a slave, but you can be enslaved to a sin. And all men, the scripture tells us, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore, we are born as slaves to sin. Amen? And we need freedom. Is that not true? We need freedom. We need to be set free from that. Have you ever met a a person that does not know Jesus Christ and they recognize the freedom that's in your life? Have you ever met somebody like that and they're like, what is it about you? Because you're living in liberty, amen? And so when I get down to John chapter 8 and I'm talking about he that the son is set free in the next couple verses, you go on to 35 and it says, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. In other words, the servant is there to work, not to live in the house. And so what takes place is it's saying Jesus is, is, is bringing out in their Jewish customs and understanding that a person that is a slave does not have the rights of a family member who lives in the house on the plantation or establishment. You have to understand that the privileges given to the son are different than the privileges that are given to the servant. The son knows what the father has intended for his, his work. And the son understands the intentions and knows all the inner workings of the father's house but the servant only knows what they are told amen and God is trying to point out here through Jesus's words that 
You are not a son because when Jesus came as the son of God, he died and he was buried and bought liberty for us by rising again, amen? And that freedom set forth on every single soul makes them a transfer from servant out of sin and into sonship in Jesus Christ. And that sonship puts us in God's house. We don't know, we no longer just take orders from God. We no longer have to get a download every single time to kind of figure out what God's up to, but God is willing to have a relationship where he stands side by side with us and gives us his intentions and gives us what he's working on and talks to us through our prayer life and gives us word to guide us. And all of those things have to be in our life if we truly want to be a son of God. But the truth, the truth here that is so beautiful is that he's saying there is a place for the son forever, but there's not a place for the servant forever. And the story of freedom that we have to understand is when the Holy Ghost falls on our soul, brothers and sisters, we are starting our eternal life when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Our spirit is then born again. And our interaction with God becomes the eternal side of God interacting with our spirit, which is now going obviously to live forever, but live forever in Jesus Christ, amen? When we're washed in the blood and sanctified by the spirit, we go beyond faith and we're baptized in his name in a watery grave. And we go down and the remission of sins takes place and all of our sins are washed away and we get to start all over afresh and anew. Amen, amen, amen. I believe in the beauty. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. You probably could tell. I believe in the beauty of the cross. Worship the Lord with me for a second. Would you just thank God for the power of remission of sins? <coughs> God, we love you so much. Perhaps it's best described as the new birth, amen? Perhaps it's best described as an understanding that faith leads us in a faith response to the gospel. Amen? You had no desire to please God till you began to understand who God was and how, what he did for you. That he gave you something eternal that you could go after. The, the most beautiful purpose you can have in your life is to have something eternal fighting for you and to have something eternal fighting in you. When you get God's spirit, when you've spoken in tongues as the spirit gives the utterance and you have began to work on your relationship and you're growing your relationship in God, there is something powerful that takes place where you are constantly seeing God wanting to do things through your life. And the power in that is that you begin to focus on eternal things, not on temporal things. And that is where your purpose comes from. The Bible says that he makes his ministers a flaming fire. We're all ministers, amen, in some way, shape, or form. You might minister just by being faithful and being in your seat at work at 8 a.m. every morning or 7 a.m., being on time and being prompt and being uh, faithful and being mannerly. And all of these things are ways that you can communicate Christ to other people. But in doing so, maybe you would have the opportunity to become a minister of fire and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ that can save their soul. That is so important to know because your freedom has to ebb out of your life. And the freedom you have is the freedom to chase after eternal things while you're still living a temporal life, while we are putting stuff on and trying to slather on olive oil to keep the wrinkles from coming and try to do our best to work out and do your whatever you got to do to keep yourself limber. 
and you're doing all those things so that you can just function and not bust a ligament when you try to move around because you're getting older. Some of you don't have that, um, that problem yet, but I am. So I'm like trying to do little workouts and exercises to keep myself limber. And all of that stuff is just because this body, this frame is dying, amen? I am spending my life reaching for eternal things and sooner or later I'll step into the eternal things that I've been reaching for. And so when God's spirit falls on us and when God's spirit is in this house, my faith is lifted up. But I have to know that there is a process that takes place in salvation and I need to move my way through that process. Amen? And so we know that the flow that's talked about in the scriptures in John 7 and 38 it talks about the Holy Spirit flowing through us as rivers of living water. So faith should lead us to want baptism in our life. That should be the next step. That should be where we go next. Because the Bible says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It puts the two together. And so baptism is very important. We understand that Acts 2.38 talks about baptism very clearly. When Peter stands up and preaches the first gospel message, he's trying to anchor everything that they're seeing as the people are worshiping God and spilling out into the streets from the upper room as they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And maybe, maybe I can just teach you a little bit real quick about this because this is such a powerful thing. You have to understand that there's always a sound that goes with the Spirit of God. Amen? And so when we started worshiping in here and creating a sound of worship, and you saw me get my hanky out for the first time in a long time because I was feeling really good, um, there's a sound that God loves, and that sound accompanies the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, the priest would wear a garment. How many know the garment of the priest? Go look at the garment of the priest. It was specified by God. He gave them what they were to wear. I like the tailor from heaven, amen? I like the kind of garments Jesus puts on his people. And yeah, I'm not wearing a tie today, so I apologize. But guess what? I couldn't find one to match. And so what? I, we don't need a tie. There are, if you're offended that I'm not wearing a tie, don't go to heaven because nobody's wearing ties in heaven. Just saying. But I'm just getting that out there just so it's bothering anybody. I took care of it. So don't, don't email me, don't write me, don't call me later. I'll wear a tie next week and make up the difference. But so what happens is the priests are actually wearing these amazing garments when they go in to minister. And they have linen on underneath because linen is a cloth that won't absorb as much. So when they anointed a king with oil, a lot of times they would anoint them in the linen cloth because they wanted it to run from the head all the way to the feet. And the clothing wouldn't absorb it. It would run down the body. So that's why they often had linen cloths. But once they were in the ministry, they were consecrated. They would put on this garb, this 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 priestly garment that God gave them. And that priestly garment would have something along the bottom which was pomegranates and bells. And so that whenever there was a, a, a chance for them to go into the Holy of Holies, they would actually take that off and they would enter into the Holy of Holies. And when they would come back out, when they put it on, those bells and those pomegranates meant something very specifically. Pomegranates were a fruit, amen? And it was symbolic of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance. Those are fruits of the Spirit. Those are things that should start showing up in your life after you receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if you don't have those showing up, I would say go seek God's Spirit some more because if you're having road rage too much, maybe you ought to pray a little bit more. 
that got into my sermon because I just happened to put it there. And so what happens is the Bible says that there are signs and symbols. There are bells. There are things that the scripture talks about are signs and symbols for us. And so then whenever Paul is preaching and he's talking about if you, if you have some things in your life but you don't have love, you become like a tingling brass or a symbol that doesn't do any work. In other words, what he's saying is if all you have is the sound, then you don't have the fruit. You need a balanced life in order to have both. You need to not only have the signs of the Spirit and the prophecy and the different things that came in the New Testament that were foreshadowed in the garments of the priest, but you also need the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And so we have to know that a balanced life is what God desires us to have. And in that balance, we can see that he says the fruit of the Spirit is always going to be linked to something that makes a sound. The bells would ring when the priest would come back out of the Holy of Holies. One time a year, he'd go in and he'd offer the blood sacrifice to atone for the sins of all the people. So the people would tune their ear to the tabernacle and they would listen because when the priest came back out, he put back on those garments and when he put on those garments they would ring they would actually make noise and all the people would begin to worship God because they knew that the atonement the blood had been put on the altar of God and their atonement was accepted by God because the priest came back out of the holy of holies so all of Israel were listening for a sound so there's always a sound that precedes the presence of God and so then in the holy place that upper room where God began to pour out upon his people and Peter begins to preach in Acts 2.38, the message of the gospel. He stands up and he says, hey, this is what you've known about all of your life because they didn't have a New Testament, brothers and sisters. They had to preach Jesus and the gospel from the Old Testament. You can see this happen in several stories in Acts and Luke in different places where they're trying to preach Jesus, mostly in Acts, but what happens is he comes out and he says, look, this is not strange. This is not them drunk. This is what was spoken of of the prophet Joel, that there's going to be a sound that precedes a, a spirit of power that comes, and this has happened, and this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. So he preaches, repent and be baptized, every one of you. This is what you need to do because you've crucified Christ. This is what you have to do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. And this is a great, a great story. This is a good place for an amen. Amen? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he's saying, if you have faith to believe, you'll take a step and be baptized in Jesus' name to remit your sins, to wash it away, to take every stain out of your life. And when you do that, every time I've seen it, most of the time I've seen it, not all the times, but most of the time, I've seen people get the Holy Ghost coming up out of the water, out of the tank. You know why? Because their sins are completely washed away. They're an open vessel, clean and ready for God's spirit. So God just falls on them because it is a promise. You shall receive the Holy Ghost. You shall receive it. It's not going to be if, maybe, when, some point, at some time. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. I don't know for sure. Maybe I was coached. Maybe I wasn't. But you shall know that you received it because you'll speak with other tongues because there's always a sound that comes with the infilling of the spirit. There's always a sound that comes with the acceptance of your atonement. Amen? I hope I'm preaching okay to you today. Am I getting too deep? Follow me? All right. So what we see here in the scripture is God gives out a plan. And when your faith gets activated, you want to do this. There's nothing like being baptized in Jesus' name. I was all of seven years old. 
in California. I think it was Corona, California, if I remember right. My grandfather was coming through, and he was going to baptize me. And I slept through the whole service underneath the pew. And they're like, hey, time to get baptized. <laughs> that was my baptism experience. I went to the baptistry. Okay, yeah, Grandpa's going to baptize me. He baptized me, and that woke me up, obviously. And I went back to the bathroom, and I'm just sitting in the bathroom. And I'm like, I feel so light. At seven years old, I knew what it was like to be free. I didn't have a lot of sins. I didn't have a lot of heavy things I had done. But I knew what it was like to feel that freedom. And that liberty needs to be in this house. There's another scripture. There's another passage of this scripture that comes from a different translation of the Bible. And I wanted to share it with you because it's, it's very powerful. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen? But there's also a translation which I'm pulling up right now, and that is the Aramaic Bible of plain English says, if the Son therefore will set you free, you will truly be the children of liberty. That's so good. I'll dismiss here. You guys take that with you. You can live on that for a week. Go and be the children of liberty everywhere you go. When you get out of your car to pump gas, just be a child of liberty. Just share. If someone pulls up to you and they look like they're having a bad day, let the Spirit of God speak to you an eternal thing and speak it into their life. Hey, I just want you to know that God loves you. God can change your life. We were at Chick-fil-A. Some of you know this story, some of you don't. We walked into Chick-fil-A, my wife and I. How many know the Spirit of God lets people know that you have something different about you? Because there's something eternal working inside of you, and they may not have the eternal work of God going on inside of them because they don't have the Holy Ghost yet. And so we're standing there just checking out, and this lady comes up. She's got her tray, and she's cleaning, and she's working, and she's like, hey, how y'all doing? And I'm like, this is like a greeting ramped way too high for someone we don't know, okay? Like, hey, how y'all doing? She's coming in for a hug. I'm like, oh, Lord, here she comes. And she's coming in for this hug, and she's going for Sarah, and I'm like, oh, good, she's going that way. Praise God. I missed, I missed the awkward hug. And she hits Sarah up, and she's like, oh, it's good to see you. How you doing? Now, y'all passed her up in Appleton, right? And she's like, no. Uh, we passed her in Brookfield, but I think I know who you're talking about because her and Tara Bridges look very similar. They look like sisters. She goes, but I know a lady that pastors, and she's full of the Holy Ghost, and her name is Tara Bridges. She goes, that's her! Oh my goodness! I love that lady! <laughs> she's just getting way, so, way too excited for this moment. And so then, of course, it starts to cause some attention, and um, people are like, this lady's really loving on the customers. What's going on here? This must be a new customer initiative. We hug all the customers. We love them. So Sarah finds out that Tara met her and Tara had, sister, could you come here real quick? She had a beautiful brooch on, something like this. She was just wearing it on the right side. And she came up to Tara, thank you. She came up to Tara and she goes, oh, that is such a beautiful brooch. I like it so much. That's just lovely. And she was just complimenting her. And she said, at that moment, something eternal spoke. And she said, give it to her. And she's like, uh, <laughs> that's a little weird. <laughs> I like your jacket. Here you go. <laughs> I 
like those shoes. Hold on. It's going to be a minute. <laughs> It'll be a minute, but I'll give them to you. <laughs> and now if I wear Jordans, we got a problem, brother. <laughs> no, just kidding. I wore Jordans over to their house the other day when we anointed it with oil, and I got some serious street cred. Some serious street cred. They're like, Brother Calhoun, where's Jordans? What? And, uh, that was a commercial. Let's get back to the sermon. So she hands her... She hands her the brooch, and she is so moved by this that she now thinks that my wife is Tara and is so excited to see her again. So we invite her to church today. I think she'll be here one of these days. But, um, but that is the work of the Holy Ghost, working in us, amen? Where someone's life was changed because someone listened. It wasn't about the stuff, amen? She was willing to say, hey, I can find this again. God's given me a good mind to work giving me good health to earn. This can be done. I can use this for the kingdom, amen? Have you ever been there before? Where your stuff was sitting there and God was on the other shoulder saying, give that. Would you give that? Give that to me. I can do more with it than you can. And I'm not preaching about giving right now. I'm preaching about God working on you, whatever it is. And uh, God will do great things with the stuff that we give him, amen? And so sometimes you're sitting there and you're kind of weighing it in your spirit and you have to figure out what is the eternal thing that I'm going after here? What would change their life? And guess what? We talked to Tara yesterday and she was so overjoyed. How much is that joy worth to her to know that she had an impact on somebody to where they remembered her months later and even confused my wife for her? That is the kind of thing that eternal work does, amen, that the Holy Ghost does through us. And that's what I want for every one of you. I want that in your life so bad that you can literally grow yourself to a place where you're hearing from God, where someone is pulling up, like I said, next to you at a card, at gas stations or wherever else, or you're across the counter, and you can start to sense and pick up when people need prayer, when they need a touch from God, when they need an eternal thing in their life. What are the eternal things? Love is eternal. Love never fails. Love works, brothers and sisters. If you would love somebody, you can love them all the way into the kingdom. Amen? There are other things that are eternal. The grace of God, the blood of God, the fact that God is one. Amen? Those are eternal things. And if we understand those things, we can begin to lay those things into our life. If we put God singular, number one in our life, there's nothing he can't do with our lives. His plan will be so evident in our life if we put him one. Amen? And so I have to tell you that my life in the beginning, I have just a couple more stories to share with you, but this story I want to preface with an understanding that I'm not trying to glorify anything, okay? I'm not trying to glorify anything in the world. I'm not trying to say, I just want you to know that my parable of my life is, is something that I want to use to help people grow in God. And I remember I was about, I want to say I was about 17 and uh, I had a friend in the church who wasn't really in the church and he decided he wanted to go partying and I snuck out the back in the winter. You know, you're not really that bright when you're a kid. You don't realize that you're going to leave tracks in the snow away from the house and tracks in the snow back to the house. Just not a bright kid, okay? I was trying to be smart, but I wasn't that smart. But um, I, I had already had a calling on my life. Okay, I'd already found that God wanted to use me in a way that I, I couldn't even fathom as of yet. 
You know what that's like, Brother Reese, where God's just put something on your life and you know it's going to grow and get bigger, but you just don't know how it's going to happen. And so I went to this party with this friend, and so we drove out into the country, and there was this big house party, and we're at this party, and I have never had a drink in my life, and they give me a beer, because this is what you're supposed to be doing, is holding a beer, and I can't handle the taste of the stuff. And so I spend all night walking around with the one beer, <laughs> just like <laughs> trying to be cool, you know, trying to do the thing that everybody's supposed to be doing in high school, and I was miserable. I couldn't fit in because I didn't fit in. I had the Holy Ghost inside me. I had a calling on my life. And what was funny is now, now I'm in this party and this guy is passed out on the floor drunk and this girl is crying because her boyfriend is being so mean to her and I start ministering to these people. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? You, you could probably repair that relationship if you do this and you work on that. And I'm over there making sure that he's okay. Maybe we should turn him over. And I realize all of a sudden that I can't get away from being a minister. I can't get away from being a servant to people. I can't can't stop my calling just because I was having a night where I was confused and I walked away from God for that night and I was just doing things because I thought that that's what guys do, you know, they go party. But guess what? I found out that there is something in my body, there is something in my spirit, there's something embedded in me from the spirit of God that will not let me do anything but choose God's work in my life. I, I don't know how else to say that because I literally was ministering to people that I shouldn't have even been able to minister to while I was supposed to be being rebellious. But the work of the Holy Ghost was working inside of me. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but I'll tell you why. Because prayer is eternal. Love is eternal and prayer is eternal. And prayer, prayer was at work in my life. Because I had a mother praying for me. I had a grandmother that was praying for me. Oh man, Tanya, every time I think about your mother, I think about the prayers that are at work right here. How many times does she pray? And there is eternal prayers at work right now. Your parents, your family, people that love you. Prayers, prayers I prayed for you. Prayers I prayed for you. And they're still at work, amen? And I talk about this on a regular basis because we don't necessarily feel like praying at 6 in the morning or at 5.30 or when the alarm goes off and we have to get up and start our daily routine and do our workout or whatever you do in the morning. We don't want to get up that 15, 20, 30 minutes extra. Just get me some more sleep. But you know what? If you realize that generations from now your prayer may be keeping your great 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 granddaughter or great 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 grandson from a trial and a struggle and a difficulty it may save their marriage it may save their home all of those things could happen off the prayers we pray every single morning brother Meza every time we get up and say God that's what gets me out of bed I don't know about you but it's not about me it's about what I can see in somebody else's life it's about what would change in a generation to come that while I'm praying here, truth is secured over here for a completely different generation. We have to understand that if we search for eternal things in our life, we will make a difference. And that is what I'm trying to get at. The calling of God works on us whenever we don't even realize it. So today, in light of what God has done for you, and today, in light of what God wants for you, what do you need to stay into, stay in? What do you need to stay in? And so there's some things that I need to do. I need to stay in prayer, amen? 
I need to stay in fellowship with God. I don't do things that separate my fellowship with God. I don't want to do anything that puts something in between me and him because I need to stay in fellowship with him. And there's other things. I, I just can't even get to all of it. You want a life of purpose? Look for something eternal. Get, get your life wrapped in eternal things. The love of God. Prayer life. Get a prayer life. Get, get a, a life devoted to people of God that have eternal works going on inside their life. And then invest into their eternity. Invest into what God's doing in them because the Holy Spirit's at work. Amen? Amen. Stand together with me. Stay available to God for the lost. Stay in prayer. Stay in faithfulness. Faithfulness. Do you know faithfulness is so powerful that God counts faithfulness the way he counts righteousness? Did you know that? He counts unto us faithfulness for righteousness. And sometimes the greatest faith we will have is faithfulness in our life. If you stay faithful. Some have a story of a hurt from church. I don't know where your stories lay. I don't know what's right in your life right now. I don't know what's happening and changing your your opinions of of what's going on in this world. I, I don't really know where we all may be at, but I know this, God's still on the throne. Regardless of what this world does, regardless of the laws they write, I'm going to live by this book, amen? Because this is the book that's going to be opened someday and I'm going to be judged by. And I want to be right with God, amen? And so today, I want you to know that if there's something in your life that you need to stay in, if there's something that you need to do to, to realize an internal work, Maybe you need to stay in prayer for your children. Maybe you need to stay in prayer for this church. Lord knows we need your prayers. Maybe you need to stay in prayer for your pastor, for your home, for something. There's something you can pray about today. Maybe you need to find a place where you, where you have a, a burden or a, or a pain that you need to forgive somebody for. And like that parable of the person who gave, I didn't even get to the parable, I apologize, but Whatever you get to the point where you feel like, I can't forgive them, just remember that Jesus forgave us of so much that they deserve the credit of being forgiven because of what he did for you. Maybe there's a place where you need to stay in forgiveness because that keeps coming up over and over again. Have you ever been there where the memory comes back and the pain tries to come again and the emotion, and you have to forgive again and forgive again. Oh, the layers of forgiveness God asks us to do. Even before, right before I preached this particular passage, it talks about forgiving 70 times 7. And so I'd ask you today, what do you need to stay in prayer for? There's a strength in enduring freedom. One of the things we celebrate the most are those that fight for our freedom, and I don't know if you know, but the men that signed the Declaration of Independence were signing their death sentence. They were willing to believe in something so much that their lives were worth it. So I'm asking you, do you believe in the faith and power of God? Do you believe in baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost? Do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ so much that it's worthy of your life? Because that is where true celebration comes from, is when you see somebody willing to pay the highest price, then you know there's value. 
And because Jesus died for us, we know there's value in his message. Brothers and sisters, his disciples wouldn't have been beheaded, wouldn't have gone to a cross upside down. They wouldn't have done all the things they did had it not been for a Jesus who truly lived and a Jesus who truly died and a Jesus who truly was resurrected. And if it's good for them, guess what? It's good for me. How about you? If it was good for them, it's good for me. So I, I want to tell you today, if, it's, if prayer is good enough for the disciples and the apostles, prayer is good enough for me. If living led by the Spirit is good enough for them, it's good enough for me. And I believe that if the Word of God is powerful enough to change, to change the world in the first century, that it's powerful enough to change the world in this century. Amen? I truly believe that with all my heart. And so I don't have to worry about what God does with this word today because I know his word doesn't return void. And so as we pray today, would you join me in asking God to do a great work with this word today and send us out of here seeking out eternal things in our life. Amen? Jesus, in the name of the Lord, would you bow your heads and let the Lord hear from you right now. In Jesus' name, by the authority and power of the Holy Ghost, I take dominion over every non-eternal work in the lives of our brothers and sisters in this room. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would let us hear a sound when your spirit goes to work, that you let us hear your voice, Lord God, speaking, telling us to reach and change and do. Lord God, that you'd give us an evidence, Lord God, and an ability to hear what you're working on and hear what you're doing in our life, Jesus. Would you give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to us Lord God and would you let us be people of freedom would you let us be children of liberty in this house today in Jesus precious name I'd ask you to find something you want to pray for specifically there should not be a person that doesn't have something to pray for if you have to go I understand but today and this week if you're leaving out of here would you take something to prayer in your prayer life that you want to see changed eternally maybe it's the salvation of a family member maybe it's the change in your own life that you need. Maybe it's a change in your marriage that you need. There's got to be something that God wants to do in your life today through the freedom of the Holy Ghost. Would you ask God to give you liberty? If you don't feel freedom in your heart today, would you come and be refreshed as a child of liberty today? In Jesus' precious name, I pray that. Together, I'm opening the altar. You can take time in prayer. All of us should seek liberty for somebody, whether for ourselves or a friend or a family member. All of us should seek liberty in the name of Jesus. Let there be a 4th of July. Let there be a declaration of independence over our spirits and our hearts in this house today, God. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. And we give this all to you, Lord, that your work would be done in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen.